0: The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com
1: T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Leave It to Beaver has been on TV ever since its network debut in 1957. It ran for six seasons back in the days when they did 30-plus episodes a season. In fact, I think they did 39 a year. When the show ended after its sixth season, it was the natural conclusion for all involved. Jerry Mathers, who played Beaver, wanted to go to a real high school and play sports and just have a real life. And the same goes for my next guest, Tony Dow, who played older brother their Wall-E cleaver. Dow wanted to go to college, plus he had this artistic side, and he wanted to direct television. All these years later, he is a full-time established and respected sculptor. Check out his website at TonyDowSculpture.com. He does really good work. We've got him on the line right now from his workshop in Topanga Canyon. I've seen a lot of your home on YouTube videos and your workshop and stuff. Just beautiful up there where you live.
0: Yeah, it is. It's really nice. It's... uh... Yeah. It's far enough away from the city that you don't feel like you're in it.
1: And I've seen a lot of the uh, the figures and and the uh, works that you have sculpted, and they really are fantastic. I imagine that you really enjoy the art of sculpting because you have complete control in this case.
0: Yeah, I mean, my whole life has been the opposite. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, that's that was that's the big draw. So in terms of producing the things or making them, you have the complete control, but. Then then you have the same problem that you do with any business. If you're trying to, you know, sell them, it's a whole different thing. The art business is just, you know, it's like any other business. It's it's promotion, 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 and, you know, uh, not so much what you're producing.
1: <laughs> now, you've been in the business for a while. Do you leave the, the marketing end of it to the galleries who represent you? How does that work? Yeah, but
0: that's, the, you know, it doesn't work so good because some galleries know what they're doing and other galleries don't. I don't like the marketing part of it. In other words, I've always said when I started out that, that I refused to do much of it, you know, on my own. I mean, if somebody calls and wants to talk about the sculptures, I'm more than happy to, but uh, in terms of going out and, you know, find, trying to find galleries and trying to get things in the uh, newspapers and... That sort of stuff. They say that that you need to do about 60% of your time should be spent marketing, 40% producing stuff. That seems odd to me. I don't, you know.
1: So you find, for the most part, fallen wood up where you live in the Topanga Canyon area. Is that pretty much what you work with then?
0: That's pretty much, yeah. I have a couple of different series. Uh, You know, the first series, uh, were you on the website? Uh, Yeah,
1: I have been on there a few times, yeah. Okay,
0: so the, you know, there's a the one series that has uh, that has the figures with kind of smallish heads, and then there's uh, another series that artifacts that um, you know made from uh, regular lumber or sometimes foam that then I treat with uh, I apply things to, and then I have a series called cityscapes, and they're all very very different but the primary thing i i use is
1: uh is fallen wood in many cases you then have it bronzed which is something i hadn't even thought of but you, but you go to a, a foundry is that how that works
0: yeah the way it works um you know the process or, or not
1: not really i've just heard that it's kind of dangerous
0: it's really well i never yeah. thought of that and yeah got me scared <laughs> it's a pretty involved process
1: yeah, it very involved, and it seems like it would be expensive.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. To get the first, in other words, I do nine um, nine pieces are the maximum that I do out of um, for any one piece. The more pieces you make, some pieces you'll see they'll say you know fifty two out of uh, two hundred or something. That means they're going to make two hundred pieces, and that's the fifty second one. Well, the less pieces you make, the more valuable they are, and I haven't really figured out what the uh, Breakpoint is but under a certain number they still consider it sort of a, a, an original piece as opposed to one of a hundreds of pieces
1: so i encourage people to go to uh, your website tony dow because these are absolutely beautiful pieces and you've even shown some at the louvre in paris it doesn't get much better than that right tony
0: yeah, that was pretty amazing. I mean, I should explain that that's, um, it was a show, it's a show that's an annual show that was started in the 1800s and Rodin was one of the people and the artists decided that what they should do is they should have control of their own show instead of having things commissioned by kings and they had this show and uh, there's a thing called the Carousel Louvre, a place where revolving um, exhibits are shown. It wasn't like it was in the Louvre, which is sort of a, misleading kind of a thing so it was in a show that was it was absolute
1: was it at all scary for you to go completely committed to this kind of second chapter of your life well
0: you know what had happened is when i was um, you know younger late teens and 20s i started welding things together and so i was i was doing some junk art and then i was doing uh, then i started doing some copper pieces and uh, i had always thought you know, when I retired from, at that point, whatever I was doing, because, you know, as a freelance actor, you're sort of never sure if you're ever going to work again. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I had always planned to take up sculpture and try to make a go of it and try to be serious about it after I retired. And so when I retired from directing, which is what I was doing at the time, I decided to go to it full time. i had been doing a few pieces, you know, like for the 10 years prior. I think my first pieces. At least the the bronzes were 2003, so I had probably started in the late 90s doing things.
1: And I know that you came from a a creative home. Both of your parents were artistic and designer types, so it all probably just came natural to you. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, I suppose so. You know, my mother was was very creative. My dad was a, a designer and a builder. He designed and built homes. We always had a lot of creative people around the house. It was uh, always an interesting childhood from that standpoint. But um, I think the thing that really... The reason I think that I, that I somehow had it in my head was that because of directing. You know, directing is a three-dimensional kind of art. I kind of see things in three-dimension. And when I would design, if I was doing a remodel on a house, because there was a time where I, I did that kind of stuff, if I was designing something... I could see it right away. You know, I mean, I think if I go into a room and somebody wants something, I can pretty much see what it is because I understand people have trouble, yeah. <laughs> trouble visualizing, you know, stuff. So anyway, I think that's sort of a, it comes with a, it's a God-given deal.
1: Tony, I I recently talked to uh, one of your Leave it to Beaver co-stars, Steve Talbot, who, like you, got away from acting, and and he's had great success doing that as a journalist and and a producer. He said that you were about the nicest, most generous guy that he worked with on that show. Really, what a nice thing for him to say. (laughs) I asked him for some dirt on you, and that's the best that he could do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, you know, there isn't a lot of dirt. You know, I think uh, sometimes it's better for you to have a little dirt to create a little (laughs) tension. Right. But... But, uh, yeah, he was was a really nice guy. I didn't get to know him particularly well because he was one of the Beavers' kids, you know. Right. And I had my group of buddies. But, uh, yeah, he was a nice kid.
1: In his case, he said that he actually begged his parents to get into acting when he was a little kid, and, you know, his father had been an actor. Was it similar for you? Did you have this desire to get into it? What was your situation?
0: Uh, Well, actually, I... um, I had no desire whatsoever. I was I was a swimmer and a diver, and um, the pool that I worked out at, there was a lifeguard there who was a, a wannabe actor or a fledgling actor, or whatever. And we kind of looked alike, so he was going up for a part in a in Columbia, and he thought it would help him because it was a father and a son if we kind of went in together, you know, as a package. And I had no idea what it was or what it was about. You know, I was about eleven at the time, I guess. But uh, that was what what started it. And uh, and I really um, really didn't have any interest until you know probably a couple of years in when I started seeing Brando and and, uh, and James Dean and some of those kind of films. I, that I got really interested in in the film business and thought that's what I wanted
1: to do. I remember seeing the uh, pilot for Leave It to Beaver, and and it was actually uh, some other chubby kid who was cast as Wally. I guess they ended up going in a different direction, huh?
0: Yeah, I think what happened is that kid uh, he grew from the time that they made the pilot till they sold the show, and uh, you know he he went from being a, a little kid to being uh, almost as big as mom. So they decided they like, go <laughs> they want any life out of the show. They better get a shorter kid. I was shorter.
1: You know, I had talked to Jerry Mathers as well not too long ago, and he said that when the show was at its end, he was ready for it to be over. He wanted to go to high school and do other things. Was it similar for you? Were you ready for it to be over and move on to other things?
0: Well, you know, it had been my life for uh, six years and uh, pretty formative years. So I, it was just about the time that I graduated from high school. So it was a good transition time. I was going to go go to college, etc. But then I kept working. So I I went to UCLA at night, which is sort of not like college, but (laughs) a little bit like college. And then I decided I wanted to um, be a director, which I didn't realize how hard that was going to be, but not the work, the getting the job. You know, I started going to other schools. But uh, yeah, it was a good transition. I was ready to you know sit on the beach uh, during the summer. Although our our producers were amazing because most shows with kids they get the most that they can out of the kids in the summer because in the summer they they don't have to go to school, you get a lot more working time. But our guys they left the summers free, so we uh, that was when they we took our hiatus it was right in the middle of summer, so that we had uh, we had time to go to the beach and surf and do all the things that I you know would have normally done that was nice but it was a time when i was you know ready to make a transition
1: when the show re- reunited for the uh for the tv movie and then the new leave it to beaver it was really great to see everybody did you enjoy doing that it was on for a while
0: yeah we did 105 episodes of yeah. it yeah yeah i mean it was it, it was really fun i you know i was sort of apprehensive because the thing i'd been fighting in terms of acting was sort of Typecasting kind of thing, and uh, so uh, I had finally kind of broken away from that. I was I was a principal of a school in a show that um, CBS was going to do as a, as a uh, series, and uh, and so I was hmm. you know in this position where I'd sort of at least gotten rid of the Wally image completely, or the kid actor Wally's i image. Yeah. So. I was a little apprehensive, but the only thing that caused me any apprehension is the way that Universal has business. So, you know, it's hard to get that part of it out of the way. And then, um, and then once we were working, it was like we'd been working for years. Everybody was the same and everybody got along and, you know, it was really a a family uh, feeling.
1: And I'm not sure you were aware of this, but Jerry told me that somehow the master copies of that show have completely vanished. He says they've been looking for them, but they are just. Completely missing right now. Yeah,
0: I think I think what happened. Of course, you know, I, my memory's a little is getting poorer by the day. But <laughs> uh, what happened, I think, is there was a company from Australia called Quintex, and I don't know how they were involved but they were producers of the show and um that i think was one of the reasons it seems like it's always a reason for shows going off or at least the shows i've been going off is there's a dispute between different companies that are involved in producing so um the idea is or the conjecture that, that they have the shows in a vault somewhere in uh, right. Australia, but uh, i don't know that that's that's necessarily true.
1: And so this is where you got involved with directing with the new Leave it to Beaver?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what had happened was since I was, you know, I was in this other potential series and they were going to do another pilot and uh, I was to be in it, I had that job. So when they sort of were difficult to negotiate with, I said, okay, well, you know, I'll go do the, the other series. Yeah. So that <laughs> gave me a little bit of leverage. The deal that we finally got was that that I would direct and uh, write, be able to direct and write a few episodes. That's how I got started, because I'd been trying for a long time to get to direct something so somebody could see that I could do it, you know.
1: And how was it to be directed by Hugh Beaumont in in the original series? I know that he had directed a few episodes.
0: Yeah, I think it came about the same way. He was, you know, after a couple of seasons, he said, I'm tired of working with these kids. Uh, (laughs) How do I get out of this? And they, they offered him some directing things, so... He was uh, well, you know. He was just a, he was an interesting guy. He he wasn't the warm fuzzy kind of guy. No. But he was really um, really cerebral, and, and he didn't. I don't think he really knew much about directing in the beginning. But you know, he learned. And uh, and w- once you're doing a show like that, you've been in it for so many years, it almost directs itself.
1: You know, right. like
0: back in that time, because it was it was a much simpler production than they do nowadays. Anyway, he was he was very good. How many did he do? Did he do eleven or
1: twelve? That seems about right. Yeah, something like that. I mean, assuming that Barbara Billingsley was the the warm and fuzzy type, and that you were pretty good friends with her.
0: Yeah, she was great. She was really wonderful. She was uh, friendly to everybody and talked to everybody and she was, you know, we became friends later on in our lives and, uh, you know, would go to dinner every couple weeks or certainly once a month. And she had a boyfriend that was an artist, a sculptor, and he's the one who actually got me involved in uh, converting my pieces to bronze because he took me up to the foundry and he introduced me to everybody and, and he, he really encouraged me to have my pieces you know produced in bronze so that's kind of why I, I got
1: started in that direction. It's interesting yeah I mean you must think of Barbara now that whenever you're doing that process I suppose.
0: Um, well it would, be, <laughs> it would be a logical <laughs> sort of a thing. <laughs> <I'm sure that laughs> I, I do think of her uh, quite a bit. My wife of course loved her and so you know anytime uh, somebody mentions anything of course we have good things to say and we talk about her every once in a while. Fabulous.
1: Well, you've, you've got a really nice website, and you do get a little bit of a peek into your workshop on the website. It's uh, com. It's just been fantastic to talk with you, Tony. Well, been nice to talk to you. I'm... And continued great success, Tony. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Alright, buddy. Bye-bye. Okay. See you like Tony said, he would have gone on to college full-time or become a serious artist early on, but he did keep on working as a full-time actor. And as his career then eventually wound down, he spent more time with sculpting and his work has become very accomplished and respected in the art world. Remember, TonyDaoSculpture.com. And by the way, if you ever run across the pilot for leaving to Beaver, check out the kid that they had playing Wally. Really bizarre. And some of you may know that playing Eddie Haskell in the pilot was none other than a young Harry Shearer, who of course went on to uh, work on Spinal Tap and several other films, and of course The Simpsons. Well, that is it for this episode of The Fake Show. Listen to all of the archives at SoundCloud and TheFakeShow.com. And for news on upcoming shows, go to The Fake Show Facebook and Twitter pages. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll talk to you later. Take The Fake Show with you at TheFakeShow.com, SoundCloud, and at iTunes.